Hi, this is Gregory Correa once again for Harmonics. We're doing another special edition on Bill Quarry. And also today we have Mike Burton from the Hayward Historical Society who is going to be asking Bill some very interesting questions about his life. So I'm going to turn it over to Mike. Mike, welcome. And Bill, it's always a pleasure and honor to see you. Just a great man and a legendary performer. We also might be bringing up a, a guest star today, too, also. <laughs> so uh, here you are, Mike. Here you take it over. Okay. Um... Well, I just wanted to uh, start off with some questions. Well, maybe I'll, first, you know, I, I saw that you were really trying to appeal to kids. You had the flyer of the community to be putting on shows, and you had to uh, be able to get the strip. And I'm kind of curious about how, what, what the strip was like there between San Leandro and Hayward at the time. Um, it was something that everybody did at night go from, uh, there was two drive-ins, one on the Welling and Mission, and then the other one was down on 150th, and you would go to one drive-in to the other, it's about, what, about two miles, uh, and the cars would bumper to bumper. Uh, bumper and, to bumper. <laughs> uh, and somewhere in, towards the end there was the skating rink sitting there <laughs> and uh, after uh, I started doing dances uh, we, well first of all we used that strip to put out flyers a couple of times I even went as far as putting a garbage can on top of a, an old car to uh, get the attention with fire coming out the top <laughs> and flyers on all over the fl all, all over the side of the cars. It's a the police didn't mind that. <laughs> well, for some reason or other, that was like it was clean a, fun. Yes, it was. A, yeah. It was. A, it was a. It was a different kind of time. Yeah, yeah. there was no problems with gangs. Mm -hmm. uh, there was no, uh, hardly might be a fight now and then, but there was nothing else. Yeah. You didn't have to worry about uh, getting, you know, getting mugged or anything. Uh, you, you, if you had a convertible, you didn't even have to worry about leaving the car. You just leave it there and go do whatever you want to do and come back, and the car would be sitting there with the top down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so it was, it was a good time. But we, that's how we got the flyers out. Were going up and down the streets, and, and we also would go into the, to. Uh, a couple of times we actually even went into the schools with flyers. Uh, we had kids that we met to go into the schools and give them out. To, that's how we started the flyer, the the dance then, was just flyers and, and some a uh, couple of ads in the lo local papers. We didn't need anything else. So it was a lot simpler then. <laughs> and all those shows would fill up with that. Well. Uh, I guess maybe not all the shows. Uh, well, playing. actually, we had the local bands at that time that were very popular. There was a guy named Jimmy Cicero that was kind of a legend 
in the Hayward area in those in the in the late 50s, and then also another guy named Jimmy Bedford that was a great guitar player out of uh, Castor Valley. And between those two guys and their followings, uh, we could we did a weekly dance with those two people. If one of them was there, people would come. Sure. Uh, and then things worked into the, the uh, meeting the this old promoter at an old restaurant right on East 14th by uh, uh, Gordon's Drive-In. There was a place called Prings, and that's where I was putting up a poster, and that's when I ran into this old-time promoter that brought in the big bands to the West Coast, and I was... Uh, uh, how I got in, introduced to the big names. And that was Marty Schwartz? Um, was yeah. Uh, um, his last name was Schwartz. Manny Schwartz. Manny Schwartz. Manny okay. Schwartz. And, and he, that's how I got Fats Domino uh, and Dwayne Eddy. And I went mm -hmm. to other shows with him that uh, he was putting on the... Uh, Cavalcade of Stars at the Oakland Auditorium where he had Jay, Jerry Lee Lewis, James Brown, all those people were in one show, uh, inclu including, you know, B.B. King, you know, uh, just all those names from the 50s would be on one act, one show, uh, and then they would take that show and go to Seattle the next night. Uh, that's the kind of shows they did. Uh, but at that time, right after that, it's when I got drafted into the Army, and that's where my history with Manny Schwartz ended, because he died while I was in the Army. <laughs> oh. <laughs> where did you end up serving when you were in the Army? This would have been the late 50s, early 60s. Right. Uh, right. I went to, uh, I ended up being, of all things, a military policeman. And I became, I, I, my first duty was at the Presidio of San Francisco, which was, you know, God, I couldn't even believe that. Uh, I was 15 miles from home. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Uh, and they said you'd be there the whole two years. Well, one year later, they said, no, you're going to Korea. So I spent the next year in Korea. So I spent this the second whole year in Korea. And then when I came, when I got back in Korea, I went back to being a regular uh, working citizen. <laughs> <laughs> and then it, how did you fall back into promoting shows after that? Uh, the, like everybody did around here, the Beatles uh, came popular, and uh, I remembered those promoting days. I didn't know if I'd go back into it again, but it kind of remembered about it. Uh, uh, they were, you know, a big highlight of my early early life. Uh, so when people started going to uh, so crazy started getting more interested in music. I happened to be a carpenter's apprentice at the time and I had a there was a hall right at the end of the strip, sort of the beginning of the strip, maybe a little further down in Hayward, uh, that was available because I wasn't a, a carpenter's union uh, employee so I talked him into letting me have the carpenter's hall every Friday night. Mm -hmm. And that's how I started promoting again, uh, and that's how it worked up to uh, the other shows that I started doing after that. I did the same thing with the strip, 
Did the same thing over again, believe it or not. After all those years, the strip was still there. Kids were still cruising it. <laughs> so I used, uh, again, the same thing uh, approach and, uh, and uh, started the Carpenter's Hall. And the dances started getting larger. Uh, the Carpenter's Hall was only a small, small hall. And I looked for something, and I was able to lease the Roll Arena, which was right in the middle of the strip. Mm -hmm. And that's when I started doing the bigger dances. And I became in, I was in the, 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 the road of all these acts coming from all over the world, coming through this area. Coming and in England, from England. Wherever they were coming from, mm -hmm. they would play the roll arena. Uh, 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 and I was comfortable there, and I didn't think I would want to go anywhere else, and that was uh, later on I wished I probably went to San Francisco, but I at that time I didn't want to go to San Francisco. I stayed here, and as things changed, uh, uh, that was probably a mistake I made, <laughs> not going to San Francisco. But it gave the opportunity for an actual East Bay scene. It, it, it really, it was, it was a great scene over here for, for, for a couple of years. It really was. Huge. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, we de developed other places. I opened up a place in Clear Lake. I, I used the place up there for the summers. I actually ended up building a place in Lake Berryessa outdoors for, for shows. Did that one summer, and and uh, one of the biggest dances we had were was at the Alameda Fairgrounds. During the fair at the Alameda County Fair, my dances were part of the fair in those years, and we would have uh, like Tower Power and all these. That they would play. I would Friday night after the horse races, we would put two flat bed bed, bed trucks together and use it as two stages right underneath the grandstands at the horse races, and we would have... Uh, um, uh, Chamber Brothers, Tower Power. Yeah, two or 3,000 people there just for those dances after the fair. Uh, I mean, during the fair, but after the horse, horse races, I have a little talking problem because of a stroke I had. So excuse me if I, I, he, I hesitate a lot. <laughs> that's why we're here to support you. Yeah, you know. it, it, it's, yeah that's right. I'm curious, what did, uh, at, at the, uh, the Roll Arena, how much did those shows cost? What would be a ticket price for the, for the kids coming they, in they, The regular shows uh, were $2 a ticket, and the name shows were like two fifty. Two fifty. Yeah. If uh, Neil Diamond was there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> the Yardbirds, two fifty. Uh, them. Them. Van Borsen, yeah. two fifty. They were. Uh, the shows were. I don't think we ever got to a three dollar ticket. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, uh, whatever we had, the airplane, whatever. The birds. The birds. Mm -hmm. Whatever groups we had. Uh, uh, was 250. Uh, only when I did a show at the Coliseum, which was I think the second rock and roll show they ever had at the Coliseum, we charged five dollars. And that was big money. And that was with the, with the 
Eric Burton, the Animals and the Association, Sly and the Family Stone, and a lot, and two or three of the local groups from the Royal Arena that play there all the time. So uh, that was even that. I'd pay five dollars for that. That sounds like a. <laughs> and during that, we actually did a show in uh, with the Yardbirds in Catalina Island. Uh, myself and a guy that did the Limington dances in Oakland. Uh, we prod. Pr Part, partnership partnership for that and, and and we did a cruise to Catalina we rented their their steamship which held 2,000 kids we had uh, sh the ride over to Catalina the carousel carousel, carousel carousel ballroom dancing with the Yardbirds and two or three other bands and the ride back that was $10 so that could be going to Catalina. <laughs> <laughs> was it in that old, uh, that, the Aval in Avalon? Yeah, yes. that, right that's at Avalon with the, with the big place up on the hill there, yeah. which was huge. That, that was actually hold two or 3,000 people easy. So it was a, it was a, a, a big thing. And, that's, uh, and I do remember that uh, when we had that, I remember we had to wait, hold the ship for Jeff Beck because he would was with a girl that night and he didn't, uh, get back until the we had to hold the ship waiting for him to get back because he didn't want to leave that girl I guess he was having a good time <laughs> yeah, yeah. the benefits of being a rock star I suppose <laughs> and people will wait for you so yeah um, why don't you change the course a little bit and talk about Frenchies because you also get some Frenchies yeah exactly uh, you're, I understand you're the ground floor of getting uh, Frenchies uh, or at least well, turning that into the rock and roll scene the when I started promoting uh, back in the 60s, uh, Frenchies was still, people might not know, but it was one of the largest nightclubs in the Bay Area, and, and, and well, Northern California, and it was, well, it was in South Hayward, mm -hmm. uh, and it is still there. Uh, uh, I don't know what the name of it is now, but I, I, I believe it's a, 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 a Spanish, Spanish uh, uh, nightclub. nightclub. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, it's still there. Uh, but in those days, it was, wasn't built up out there, and here was this nightclub out there. Well, the guy that op opened that was dying with these old acts. He had a big problem, you know, paying people that go to South Hayward in the 50s and, the, and along came the 60s and he needed to do something so he contacted me I had started my dances at the Carpenters Hall and he wanted me to make Frenchies a rock and roll place and so that's that there's a I have a uh, this is the this is the uh, uh, flyer I made up for it. This is an original flyer mm -hmm. from 1964. We called it, so I made it Frenchies a go-go with the nude look. We had dancers in costumes that looked like they were nude, but they weren't. <laughs> uh, and we had a group called the Nightcaps, which is uh, uh, had a person in there that uh, uh, named Barry Carlos that I knew him for years. Barry's a great guy. Uh, he's, he's the one who started Peter Wheaton the Breadman. But okay. so we had a we had a no cover, follow the searchlights, steak dinner for two dollars. <laughs> I love the two dollars. Yeah. I love the two dollars stuff. And, and again, again, the name that I started in 1958, I still use the name Teens and Twenties, 
and, and uh, uh, so we started that thing up, and Frenchies became a success for him. Uh, he gave me a promise that I would get 10% of the business, and he did not. He didn't. He didn't make he it. He, did, he didn't he, comply. He didn't comply with it, and there's nothing I could do about it because I never got a contract. I took his word, and so I actually got him making money and then he sold the business to somebody else. So that's how, you know, I started with Frenchies. Well, then I went back to promoting the dances and the people that bought Frenchies needed some entertainment so I started helping him with their entertainment and buying their radio stuff. I had a kind of like a a business that, that that we could advertise other people, uh, so we I had somebody that w worked for me that helped me w write their spots, and that's how Frenchies for three or four years became known. The uh, you know, had a lot of people there in those years when I was promoting, so they were also doing quite well at the same time. Well, about 1969, he wanted to get out of the Frenchies, and he offered me to buy it. Uh, uh, and so that's when myself and a few other people bought Frenchies. Uh, uh, well, we were only there a year, and they took the license away because the place had been ran so bad over the years that the other guy was there. They had a lot of liquor violations. Uh, so the place, uh, we couldn't run the club without liquor. It just wouldn't work. We tried it as a tea nightclub. It just really didn't work. So we, the, we, we had to leave it. And just, just for people that don't know, that place from 1971 to 1958 to 19, to 1970 was vacant. Oh, yeah. All those years, it sat vacant because nobody knew what to do with it. Well, in 1978, we, through another, some other people I had met, this, we decided to try to open it again. Mm -hmm. And that's how it opened again. We spent two years remodeling it, and that's when we put all those acts back there and there again that uh, you know I was using in the other, earlier years, Tower, Power, Cold Blood, all these people, plus the new acts that were there at the time, Huey Lewis, uh, I can't even Yesterday remember and all today, the, the yeah, propellers, all kinds of different bands. Tell them, your, tell them your biggest act that went there. Uh, Michael Jackson played there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I got a picture of him on the wall over there. He autographed it for me. Uh, he had left the Jackson 5, and he went out to... to uh, um, on uh, tours or something, he did a solo career. He wanted to, he promote. Well, he went out to and he was promoting Beat It, mm -hmm. and and so he went in there and and uh, 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 on on a tour. And I spent twenty or thirty minutes with him downstairs. And as everybody knows, he's very quiet, very shy. We had to keep him out of the people's view. Uh, I took him downstairs, and he just tell, told me how he wasn't just, he was comfortable on the stage only. Mm -hmm. and, uh, 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 and and that's, uh, I pr 
talk to him more, but I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> why don't you bring? Why don't you switch up gears a little bit? And let's talk about Altamont with Bill, because Bill was a factor in there. Yeah, exactly. I'm curious about yeah the, the role with with Altamont. Were you um, part of the originally promoting it? I know it was supposed to be in Golden Gate Park, and then it no, didn't, actu or? actually, it was supposed to be at Searsville Lake in. Uh, uh, up that racetrack up in uh, Sears and, Searsville. Sears Point. Sears Point, yeah. Mm -hmm. That was, wow. that's what it was going to be. Uh, and, and we found out about it because uh, myself and a, a person named Larry White, we were still promoting shows, you know, not, you know, not, not a, a lot, but every two or three months we would do a show so we were in contact we were doing shows at a place called Pepperland and San Rafael and and we found about found about it. so we got a got a hold of uh, the Rolling Stones manager's name was Sam Cutler uh, we couldn't do anything at the show because this was a free show there was mm -hmm. no money to be made uh, they were doing it for a TV, sh uh, a video or a movie. They wanted to make a, a movie. That's why they were doing this free show. The, that it became the, Gimme Shelter. Right. right. That, that mm -hmm. was that whole idea was just to make that movie. Uh, but they asked us if they want if we wanted to do the concessions. So we got the concession business of doing that show myself and my partner. Well, that was a lot because. Uh, 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 First, they were going to have a Searsville Lake, and then the week before, a week and a half before, they canceled that. Mm -hmm. They couldn't use that. And this guy from Altamont Speedway in uh, by, Livermore. by Livermore, Tracy, I don't know what it's called, Livermore, Tracy. I got a flyer up there. It's one of the few flyers left uh, for that show. Uh, it, the, the, the concert was so put together so fast, they misspelled Altam Altamore. Altamore. They even mis misspelled it. Yeah. Uh, but that was uh, December 6, 1969. Look at the guests. So Look at the guests there. Grateful Dead, Santana, yeah. Jefferson Starship, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, and the Flying Burrito. And the Flying Burrito. I love the Flying Burrito. Brothers. So do I. It's funny. It's, uh, they listed it as security by the Hells Angels. Yeah. Like, that's supposed to be a... Uh, well, Pretty amazing. Something good, <laughs> which ended up trying to be. Everybody uh, knew who they were. <laughs> yeah, that ended exactly. up sort of being a big problem with the show. So uh, we we had to make that arrangements all of a sudden to, for Altamont. Well, I got there a couple of days before the show uh, to look what to do up there, you know, to get. And, and Sam Cutler, he had this old, not new, old, but a new Lincoln Continental. He just had me get in the car and he had me drive all over the mountains to, uh, to see where we're going to put all these concession booths. Well, when, as we started getting ready, we had trucks of soda, truck trucks coming up, all hot this dogs. stuff, hot dogs, all this. but the people started coming in by the thousands and this was like the day before even the day before, you couldn't hardly even get a car in there anymore. Mm -hmm. They had a really a narrow road. The freeway started being fulfilled. So as it happened, we realized we weren't going to have all these. So we decided to have one booth. We had one food booth, and I think we there was, what, 200,000 people, and we had one food booth. <laughs> 
So it, 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 it didn't work out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I would, did, you, did, did his mob that one food booth? Uh, well, luckily, I used their psychology. I used biker security myself, but not Hell's Angels. Mm-hmm. I hired three or four bikers myself to guard our secu- our, our our booth. So that, that that because we only had one, so we didn't have any problems. But people that didn't have security. One guy drove in with a orange, a truck, panel truck full of oranges. He opened the, the lid and he was going to sell oranges one at a time. I think in 15, 20 minutes his oranges were gone. They just overran him. Of course. And probably didn't sell well, any of them. <laughs> no, <laughs> because, because, because <laughs> kids said this is a free ticket, free, free show, everything's yeah. free. Uh, so n- nobody had anything there to sell. Uh, we were the only ones, and of course we were at the top of the hill, and uh, it was hard to even get to the top of the hill. I, I spent two days there living in the, the office because I couldn't get out, and, and uh, we would we had trouble even getting my cut. My partner used uh, a school. We used a Saint. St. Elizabeth High School bus full of kids to work for us. They had to knock cars off the road just to get the bus through there. Uh, uh, it was a mad, mad scene. Yeah, I know a lot of people mark that as, you know, as when the wave of the 60s music scene broke, that as being the moment this, the, from the good vibes were over. To, to, from love to... Let's get to reality again. Yeah. You know, it's kind of interesting. I'm going to change channels a little bit for us, for the Excellent. Hayward uh, Society and also for Bill. Uh, could I grab that book for a second? Yeah. Uh, you know, as you know, Bill has uh, got a book and it was written by Bruce Totchler. It's called Garage Bands from the 60s, Then and Now. It is in now in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, we have a special guest I'd like to bring up in a, in a second or two, but i also like to talk about something about Bill's history that Bill probably, Bill went to Hayward High, which is uh, quite amazing, and I just seen your yearbook picture. <laughs> <laughs> and what I've what I seen about that, you went to school with my, my aunt, who I'm re- related to by a marriage. Uh, you went to school with Vivian Barboza. And it's a, probably a name that you can't remember, can't remember. but... Uh, it's so you went to school at Hayward High, and, and you, you know what? You were very handsome as a picture. Some of the younger pictures, you had a, a set of hair that was. I had a lot of hair. You were just really, you know, you're in yourself. You're, and they said that you were really a kind person back even back in the day. But you also went to school with Jack Del Rio, who's oh yeah, whose father, who is who is also the coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And then also my mother and my father-in-law, Pat and Tony Barboza, went to Hayward High, and they said it was a beautiful school. It was. You know, why did they tear that down? Do you, can you it was, some? in in the 40s, it was voted as the third or fourth prettiest campus in the United States. I mean, it was that pretty, all the white columns and uh, everything. But in the 50s, when I was there, the pretty outside looked good, but when you lock, walked inside, there's a lot of cracks. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of cracks in the ceiling. The old steam heat, you know, crackling, and you could hear them walking to, in the room. You could hear the the the, the steam heaters all mm-hmm. making noises and stuff. So it was it, it, it was a bad year for uh, 
uh, I mean, it, it's seen its years when they tore down mm -hmm. on the inside. The ins outside was terrific. You know, I'm going to bring a, a guest up here because Dana's here, and Dana is uh, with the Fenderman. Dana, come on up for a second. Just, you know, give a little. Yeah. I want to give a shout-out at, 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 at Dana. <laughs> you can stay here, too. I want you to stay okay. here, too, Mr. Burton. Dana, Dana's a guitar player, one of the best guitar players. And Dana, just give me a little input about Bill because we're getting close to closing. Well, uh, Bill, when he was talking about the Catalina uh, uh, event down there, that was we were a part of that. That's right. And uh, yeah. it was just incredible. Uh, I just, uh, it was the best venue I've ever performed at. Thousands of kids there. And... Um, I remember when we got down there in the morning at 6 o'clock waiting for the boat, and then a couple of the guys, the members, they locked us out of the car, and we had to sleep out in the bushes until 9.30 in the morning wow. to wait for the boat. But uh, And then uh, one thing I regret about it was when we performed, we did a re uh, rehearsal um, show or rehearsal for the, for the show, and I was only about three feet away from uh, Jeff Beck performing, and he was just an incredible musician. And then we got to chat with him. After the show, we had kind of a lot of after-show party together. But one thing I regret was I never did get any autograph uh, oh, from these either. guys. I was so busy having a good time playing right. that I, I I never did get uh, uh, to get an autograph from any of them. And then we, of course, we played at the Alameda County Fair that you talked about uh, down there. I mean, it was just incredible that how many people. There was two, three thousand kids down there. And then, of course, we also performed at. Uh, Frenchies down there in Hayward too. So it was just everything that Bill talks about is just something that we it's were so part of. You know, Dana. You know, do you? And I want you to plug your your new CD too, real quick. Uh, did you think that this would still be alive today? What no, you did I, back in the back in the past to now? I I always cherished that. That was the best years of my life, and uh, I never imagined that that Bruce and Bill would get together and. And write this book because yeah. I think it was in 1998 that Bruce uh, called called me and wanted to interview us mm -hmm. for the first mm -hmm. edition that he had, mm -hmm. and uh, I was just amazed and I didn't really n know that there was that many bands, but this yeah, was the hotbed yeah, of the hot bands bed. of the San Francisco Very it was nice, just nice and, nice. and on the East Bay. Which, I mean, there was so much action going on the, on the San Francisco, mm -hmm. but but for him to to bring uh, us over here and mm -hmm. and and provide a a place where we could play along with some of these well-known folks. It was just incredible. Great. It was a great and, and we all own a great deal. Oh, that's why... That's, it, it was just amazing. And um, That's why uh, Bill is... That's why Bill is such a legend to all of us. Um, you know, Bill also promoted my shows. I played at the Alameda uh, Air Station with uh, Peter Wheaton, the Breadman, and Post Raisin Band. And then I actually had the opportunity also to play in, at Frenchie's in 82 and 83. This man right here, Michael, which you're sitting in front of, and also Dana, these guys are so, I am so grateful to know them and to be able to show them on harmonics. But now that we have the Hayward Historical Society involved in it, I promise you from Chabot College, Las Positas, that we will give you this disc so that this can preserve as a historical moment in time right now. And I thank you for you doing this for Bill and... Uh, it's a pleasure meeting you. Dana, you're just, it's a pleasure always seeing Dana. And Mr. Quarry, like I've said before, if Bill Graham was God, then, G then Jesus was uh, Bill Quarry. Bill Quarry <laughs> is such an influential person. And uh, hopefully, this is the second edition of um, 
garage bands are now, and hopefully we will get our third edition. This is Gregory Correa with the Hay Hayward Historical Society, Mike Burton, thanking you all very much. Thank <laughs> you.